Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. And we just barely got started on that one set, but I feel that this is critically important for me to talk to you about. This came, the second set of notes came from really a long time of not understanding things. And I put some stuff together. How do you cultivate these things? We'll look here at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 from the Amplified. And the reason I do that, most of you heard me say this. When I was in Bible school, I had to take Greek. It's very complicated language, in my opinion. But the one thing that's good about it, it's so uh, complex once you understand it. They have different words for everything. Like in the, their way of doing things in the Greek, there's eight tenses. We have past, present, and future, but the, the Greek has eight different tenses. And, and you might see the word love in English, but it could be phileo love, which is love of the brothers and sisters. I think that's right. And then there's eros, which is physical stuff involved in that in a marriage. Uh, it should be that way. And then there's agape love, which is the love of God. And all three of them are different Greek words. So the Amphite, and a lady was the one that did this primarily. A lady, you read the front of the Amplified Classic. I don't know why they needed seven more Amplified Bibles. I don't get it. <laughs> See, that's overkill for me. I mean, I had to study Greek. And, and, and every time I, back when I was learning that in 1978, I would say, wonder what that really means in the Greek New Testament. Now, I, I'm not a... What is his name? Ross, uh, Rick Renner, thank you. He's a scholar. He knows, I mean, he writes 10 pages on one word. I might get three different definitions out of one word, but, you know, anyway, and I appreciate his stuff. Somebody told me he was, excuse me, his products, but uh, somebody said he was writing the New Testament. I don't know who told me that. Anybody here tell me that? You did? Yeah. So we're looking into that. And, uh, of course, I, I have a Wade New Testament that Dr. Ames, where is he at? There he is. He gave me a testament that was written 1906 or 1904, something like that. But it's such good. One thing that he did in there, he took the word kingdom out and put the word dominion in. And I taught a service at his church, not his church, your church, Friday night a couple of times back. I don't remember what time that was, last year. And I used the Wade, Wade Bible, W-A-D-E. And I found out where you can get them now. So we're starting to get some others we could give away maybe. But anyway, what I'm saying is when I started this, I would go home and I'd see something, you know, in the Bible. And I'd go to my Greek New Testament, look it up, as it'll tell you more de definitively what he's saying. So I like it. And I like this definition of 1 Corinthians 14.1, Amplified Translation. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, make, your, make it your great quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments, the gifts, especially that you may prophesy, interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. But I like that. And uh, it says, earnestly desire and cultivate. And I looked that word up, you know, the cultivate, I think I put it in here, let me see. Cultivate means to improve by labor, care, and study. Or, and then I put it out to the side, you can become skillful with things. I remember one time Dr. Frank was in Indianapolis teaching, and I wasn't 
as quick to make a decision as I should have been. And it got up into the afternoon, kind of late afternoon. I called Pastor Keith. He just lived down the street then up here with us. And I said, would you go to a meeting in Indianapolis with me? I'm going to drive up here tonight. It's about a two-hour drive to get to this church. And Dr. Dufresne's up here. He said, sure. So we went. We got there late. That a Gestapo uh, usher. Sit down right there. Okay. And Dr. Refrain already had somebody up talking to this man. He had a word to get him up there, some word about you got this problem. Then he was standing there looking at him, and he said, you also have this problem and this problem, and there's something else. And when he, I'm watching him. And this is how I think after that moment. The Lord said, you need to take good notes not only with your pen, which I did. Take good notes with your eyes and watch what he does. And when he was taking his time with this guy, now you couldn't do that if you had, I went to Fiji and I gave an invitation. If anybody wants hands laid on them, come. 3,500 people came out of the stands. I looked at the pastor that hosted us. Does that mean they want me to all lay hands on all these people? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Pastor, come and help me. This the guy that invited me to go with him. I had him come. So we both prayed for about 1,750 people. And the pastor that's over the whole meeting, you know, he's, he said, Dr. Jacobs, they just want you to lay your hand. You don't have to prophesy to him. You don't have to do it. Just go by and hit him in the head, you know, tap him on the head. Well, I think that was the last time I may do that like that. <laughs> At night, we had 7,000 people in the grass, but we were in the inside meeting during the day. 3,500 people came. I mean, I'm glad I could help them, but, you know, it's just a massive mountain. I mean, there were 15 deep all across the front of that place. So the guy that asked me to come and said, I need your help desperately. Come on. But we did that anyway. So I'm thinking, though, about this word. It came up when I was studying on the gifts of the word cultivate. I know I just told you, I'm going to tell you again. To improve my labor, care, and study. So I think it this way. If I could improve it by spending more time thinking about it and talking to the Father about it, and I had some care about it, not care like you're burdened down, but my care to get the supernatural power of God over to people. And in particularly in the words I speak and the things that would include all the utterance gifts that I might move in. It would include all the words of knowledge that I've given because that has to be spoken. And most of those things have to be spoken. Just talking to you here. But what I said up in Indianapolis, I saw the way he, he dealt with that one man. Of course, only one man responded initially. And he's kind of just reading his mail, so to speak. Normally, I don't have that kind of operation where I know that much. One time I was at Pastor Keith's church, staying at the Lowe's downtown, had a vision, saw a person in a car wreck. And I saw five different areas that were uh, involved in that. It was a lady. I mean, excuse me, it was a human. I didn't know it was a lady, just a human being. I'd seen a car accident. And I got to the church that night, and God brought it back to me. He said, tell that vision. I told it, and a lady over here raised her hand. She acted embarrassed a little bit. Well, she said, well, what? And she started studying, stuttering her about it. I said, just slow down. You'll be all right. She said, well, that was me. How, you know, I, this is my first time in this church. I've never been here before in my life. Well, that tells me a lot that maybe she doesn't even know what laying on the hands is. Yeah. So I explained it to her from the front. This is the way I normally operate. If you'll come up, allow me to lay my hands on you. And then I explained to her this. If I'm going to lay hands on your head because I saw you got injured in some other parts of your body would be inappropriate to do that. So I'm going to come lay my hands on her head. She came up. I said, that's the way God used me. So, okay. And I went over it again with her so she wouldn't be freaked out. 
And uh, I don't know if she's just a good sinner, you know, or she's a Lutheran or Episcopalian or, you know, free will Baptist. I don't know. Handling snakes at the altar. I don't know. I went like this. Lord said, stop. She's still four or five feet. Go back. Now what? Tell her one of the angels work with you in the healing ministry is going to handle it personally. Don't you touch her. I said, well, ma'am, I was going to lay my hands on you, but God said one of the angels that work with me is going to take care of this. Just lift your hands. And she was about this far away from me. I'd say, Pastor Keith, about, about right. I said, lift your hands up. But when she did, she started going backwards like she was on some kind of a, and she went like that, and she just kept going till her head was down where her rear end was. I'm not being vulgar, but I, I couldn't see how her spine would take that and not pop through her belly. That's what it looked like to me. How about you? 80 people there that night, and they all saw it. She went way back that way. She was not a small lady. She was not a Chinese gymnast, I can tell you that. I don't know if she'd ever even been to a gym. Not making fun. You know, some people are just plumper than others. <laughs> anyway, she came up ever so slowly, and he turned her one way farther than I'm going, and another way. And then at the end, either she put her hands up or he put them up for and. He took her by the wrist and stood her up. She was on her tiptoes like a ballerina and then just gently set her down. And she said she'd been healed of all five of those symptoms. That was something else. So anyway, where am I at here? Okay, so we're talking about how do you cultivate. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And let me just say this. I don't know everything about the gifts. And I know if you're intelligent, you'd, you would say the same thing. But, you know, I know some. And I, but I think we need to keep going back over these things so we have that access to that realm. And, you know, if we don't do what God tells us to do, then there'll be trouble. I remember one time I was preaching, don't remember the city, don't remember the church, don't remember the pastor. I just remember getting in trouble with God. And I was probably three-quarters way full, and he said, stop minister to the guy in the gray suit to your right. I looked over there and saw him, and I just kept on preaching. And I preached another 10 or 15 minutes. And then internally, I said, okay, Father, what was that again? He was silent. The only reason I didn't have egg on my face, I didn't tell everybody. He already told me to do something. I didn't do it. Now I'm in trouble. Wait, I'm getting scolded. Just wait for me. I'm getting spanking. I wasn't going to break down and cry in front of everybody over that. And I got to the hotel room. I started, I got on my knees and said, Father, I'm sorry. I, I grieved you, didn't I? And he said, yeah, you sure did. When I tell you to do something, you just stop and do it right then. I said, I will never do, that, do you that way again. He said, well, you better not because it will stop operating eventually if you grieve the spirit. Okay. So praise God. Just talk. You know, God likes order, but his order is different than the way we think order is. I remember one lady I prayed for, she had, she had on a coat, a lady's coat, not like this, but similarly, it was around like this, and she's in a prayer line, and when I got to her, she went like this. God got anything for this, and she had, like, if you cut a grapefruit in two and stick it on somebody, that's how big that tumor was. So I looked at the tumor, and I had the impression I'm just slugger in her tumor. So I went, and when I did, that thing just dissipated under my hand. She said, where to go? I said, quit looking for it. Stop that. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I wanted to. Because she said, where to go? I said, it was swallowed up of life. I didn't make it leave. I just did what God told me to do. 
Anyway, that and the other lady who was in my church, Tawanta, always reminds me of an Indian. She's just a white girl. Tawanta, I always think, hey, yeah, 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 hey, yeah. <laughs> we were at Pastor Ann. No, wait a minute. Pastor, what's the guy's name in Louisville? Anybody remember? Arthur Patterson. I'm in his church, and I had a word about depression, and a lot of people came in. <laughs> Sister, what was her name? Tawanta, you know, Indian girl. <laughs> I got to her, the Lord said, hit her in the stomach as hard as you can. And I, see, it got in my head, and I was in my head right then, and I, and I didn't say I'm not going to do that, but that's what I did. I didn't do that. I laid my hands on her head and prayed a really good pastoral prayer. You would have said amen just because it sounded right. And then, then when she turned around finally and started back to her seat, the Lord said to me, are you going to obey me or not? They didn't hear that, but I heard that roar. And, and, and inside, I said, so I want to come back. God's got something special for you, dear. <laughs> and she got back, and the minute she closed her eyes, I let her have it in the bread basket right there. Boom. And this evil spirit came out of her chest. It had the head, the body of a bird, but the head of a demon-looking creature. Looked like a bird, like a hawk-looking thing. And he kind of wiggled through her chest there like that, and then he flew through the wall. <laughs> I was thinking, all this went through my mind. Her husband is 6'2", just got back from Iraq. He's in the military. He, he's a big guy, just got back from war. And if this doesn't work, I'm going to get beat up in the parking lot. <laughs> I had that fleeting thought. Then see, I tried to get back in my head. <laughs> the Lord said, just obey me. Okay. And... So when, she got, when it was all done, she came to me and she, I, she said, somebody told me you hit me. I said, I slugged you pretty hard. Did you feel it? No, I just felt anointing go over me. That's why I fell out. But something unusual happened. So I like to do this with people if they understand my thinking. What happened? Something unusual happened? And she went like this. Something came out of my chest, wiggling through my chest, and then flew away. I said, it was, actually, it was a spirit of depression. What? Well, thank God I didn't get beat up and she got delivered. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only. So he's already telling us a mouthful there. The gospel that Paul preached, which the gospel that the New Testament preachers preached, was more than just the word. Now, I'm not saying the word's not important. It's critical. But at the same time, he said the gospel that we deal with didn't just come in word only. We just keep preaching, preaching, preaching. And sometimes on TV, I don't know if it's the preachers that make that decision or maybe they got a demon-possessed church with the leadership all under the influence of the devil. But you don't see stuff like that happen a lot anymore. I don't on TV. Maybe you got some weird channel you pick up. I don't know. But they just preach, 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 preach. There's a guy on TV. If I named these guys, you'd know him probably, but... One guy was on there taking on deliverance, which I was shocked he was even dealing with it. He made a couple of good statements, but then he, he just petered the thing out, and it didn't work. I mean, it was, he was in a crowd of 10,000 people. And I said, why didn't you just call them to stand up if they needed help? Why didn't you just call them forward? You know, I'm talking to the TV, and Diana said, honey, don't watch that. You're going to be mad about it. <laughs> she knows me. And sure enough, I told you all about this joke. He's a jokester. Not really tells jokes, but that was a joke. Yeah. I mean, you tell people who's got devils. Or they, he didn't tell you how to get free of them. He didn't do anything himself. Zipped up his Bible. And I imagine this. Go home, kiss your wife, play with your kids, whatever. See you. That's what they did. 
that's pretty abrupt. Oh, that's a lot more than abrupt when God's thinking about it. I tell you that. Now, there's nothing wrong with teaching the Bible. I'm not, I'm not saying you just need to throw your, put your Bible at home and go to church and just start operating. You might get in trouble that way too. People have to have the word. I'm not demeaning the word whatsoever, but you're going to have to have some confirmations, some manifestations, some demonstrations. All those words are used in the New Testament about this gospel we have to handle. You may not move like uh, maybe a Benny Hinn or I don't even know who moves. You know, Brother Hagin moved in the spirit a lot. Dr. Dufresne. First time I had him in my church, he didn't open his Bible. He was here three nights. It was zipped up, stayed zipped up the whole time. He just stood out here and said, hi, God bless you. He started calling people out. If you were in the church back then, you probably thought I lost my mind. Because I would, I would rush you in teaching. And I would want to preach an hour and a half. And if you got up to go to the bathroom, I was irritated at you. Just to let you know what I'm thinking sometimes. Not irritated at you, but you had no respect for it. Because those same people went and watched The Passion of the Christ and sat on their boot sign, drinking a 72-ounce Pepsi. They didn't get up once to tinkle. And that's a three-hour movie. I pay attention to people, all their goof-ups too. How could you hold your bladder for three hours drinking a 72-ounce Pepsi, and when you come to church, you're up three or four times going to bed? Now, if you have a kidney problem or, or you know, something wrong down there with the restroom issue, I understand that. But how you do the one, you can't do the other, I don't get it. Anyway, I'm just beating that dead horse, never mind. I was with Brother Copeland one time, and it was just a past preacher's only. You had to be, have a personal invitation to go to that meeting. And Doug, Doug Anderson was my friend, and he went with me. And Brother Copeland would get up in this hotel in Fort Worth. I think it's right across from the Tarrant County Convention Center. I don't remember what kind. It's a nice hotel. I met in a meeting room bigger than this room, and it was about half full with preachers. And, pe- and he would teach for three hours every single time, at least that, Brother Copeland. And people fall asleep and say, wake the guy up right there in the red shirt. Somebody rattled him and said, get out of my meeting right now or I'll have you put out. I said, man, I better stay awake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Gloria Copeland tells the story. You know, she had healing school for years. Some of the best teaching you'll ever hear is Gloria Copeland on healing. And she's not a smart aleck at all. She's a really sweet lady to listen to teach. She's really pleasant. But she would go for four and a half, five hours. I've been in her meetings for healing and then got in the line. That's another two hours. <laughs> and so she said some lady wrote her, and she had already given 49 scriptures. Don't shut Gloria up up there. Would you shut her up, Father? And she gave one more scripture, and the lady got healed on that. So sometimes we just, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to go four and a half hours. I'm going to eat in a few minutes. Hang on. You'll be all right. <laughs> I didn't get to read this scripture. I'm just talking about some ways we determine things. But Brother Copeland gave a personal letter to me and Doug too. And we went as friends, me and Doug, to that meeting. And Brother Copeland, he, and he was teaching on blood covenant. Boy, it was so rich. 1986, I think that, that was. 1987 maybe. Fort Worth, Texas. Anyway, just talking to you. I'm, I appreciate Brother Copeland. And he had every right to do that. I mean, he personally invited people, took the time to their ministry to find out who the pastors were and write him a personal letter to come hear him preach. And I think it was a three or four day meeting. So let me read verse five again. Our gospel 
came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So he mentions here, there's also power involved in that gospel and us having a full assurance that what we're teaching is scriptural. And then that, then we ought to go with that. And I remember people need to be taught now how to talk right, how to believe right, how to have a good marriage, how to spend their money, how to have a good sex life if you're married. All the Bible teaches everything that I could mention and then some that you wouldn't want me to mention. I taught word, I took, taught word by word on Song of Solomon. You had to have oven mitts to handle the cassettes. It was that hot. That right, these guys right here in the front, they, and Miss Angie, she was, you know, she was here then too. I wonder where she was. She said, my care, it's okay. Yeah. Did you really do that? Yeah, my wife got on me. She said, I want to put a bag over my head, honey. Stop this, stop this series, would you please? I said, honey, I didn't say we did that. I just said that's in the Bible. <laughs> Some of you are not listening, are you? You wonder what I said. You wouldn't want me to say it if you were married to me, probably. But you know, people get upset with people to say that, and yet people are, the porn industry's making billions. I wasn't talking about porn. I was talking about God, God's word to a husband and wife in that, in that Song of Solomon. You've got to be big boy to read that and big girl. And I, I would say this. You want, I'm going to give you the punchline I told the people then. I'm still saying it. If you're married to somebody and they should be a male or female, you know, if you're a female, it ought to be a male and vice versa. But your mate doesn't see what you think you want to do and you force her or him and you're in big trouble, brother and sister. You're, you are a dominator. You're using demonic power to try to control your wife with your sex life. I've had several. Well, where's Donna? We had some ladies come to us and talk to us about it, didn't they? And I shut them down within a minute. I said, your, your husband's a pervert. Does she know you're here talking to me and Donna? No, sir. I said, well, then don't tell him. I'm going to give. If you want me, I'll give him one shot to come in and talk to me. And if he comes, we'll see if he'll respond. So I just called him or Sean did. Maybe I did. I don't know which one of us. And I said, you, you need to come see me. I'd like to talk to you about some things. I think Sean probably made it more generic, and he showed up. And me and him went in an office back here by ourselves. I said, you know, I want you to know this. I didn't pursue your wife for her to come tell me about all your weird fantasies that you have sexually with your wife. You're supposed to be a Christian man, right? Well, Yeah. I said, but if she did the things you asked her to do, and she said she did some of those things, you're a pervert, and I can get you delivered if you want it. He said, you can go to hell. I said, you're headed that way right now, buddy. Yeah. He got up and walked out the door and down the hall. I said, keep walking. If you come back, I'll have a restraining order put on you. I'll get one of my big ushers to take care of you if I can't. You're a predator. Get out of my church. Yeah, that's right. Amen. And you know, the lady stayed with him. Amen. Go figure. Of course, they had two little kids. That's what concerned me the most. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> Come back. I'm just talking stuff. See, you know, I don't even have those tapes anymore, so don't ask me for them. <laughs> you need to do some digging yourself in the Bible. But anytime you try to force somebody, even your mate that you love with your heart, supposedly, 
Uh, and maybe you want to do something that's not, listen to me carefully, not anti-scriptural, but your mate is very uncomfortable, it grieves him or her, or it's something they feel like, I'm not going to participate in that. You need to be big enough to say, okay, I'm going to just keep loving you and we'll do what we can do. I could say more, but I better stop right now. <laughs> I'm going down a trail. It's dangerous and slippery down through there. All right. All right. So, and uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When I say I've been to a couple county fairs in the hayride, you better believe it. I think I'm the weenie. weenie. They were trying to roast too sometimes. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. I'm going to get into these things here. We're still doing good on time. Um, it says in verse 4, In my speech, Paul writing, and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Wonderful passage there. And I like this in verse 4. Not just my preaching, but my overall speech. What I say to people every day, how I speak and talk about things and, you know, whatever I'm saying. And my preaching is not just with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So again, the powers, talk, we're talking about power in, in our preaching and stuff like that. I don't know if I wrote that down, Father, as you told me. I'm going to go over to another scripture. I don't see it in my notes here, but 1 Peter 4, I was over here this morning looking at something just personally about this. I, don't, I may have it somewhere else in these notes. I don't know. But anyway, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter 4 and verse 10 and 11. And these are scriptures that I would go over regularly as a preacher myself and, uh, and ask some questions. It says in verse 10, as every man, that's talking about mankind, not just male, every man hath received the gift, as every man hath received the gift, even so imitate, sorry, even so minister the same one to another. In other words, minister out of whatever you have in you, kind of like Romans 1, you know, I came to see you, I may minister a gift to you, etc. But it says here, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace, or manifold ability, I call it. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him, be, let, let him do it as of the ability that God giveth. And I believe that's the Holy Ghost, of course. Uh, let me find, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion. Forever and ever. Amen. So if I'm going to speak, I ought to speak in accordance with the Word of God. If I'm just talking to somebody, I should still make it be on the Word of God. And then, what else did it say here? If I'm going to minister, of course you are ministering by your words, but I think there's a distinction in this verse here that we need the Word, but we also need to have the ability to move with God in whatever capacity He allows us to move. You know, I think it was, was it Philip? I think it might have been Philip. In Acts 8, we don't need to turn over there right now, but it said he had a deliverance ministry. I always think about myself when I read that. And then he had healing for the uh, lame and things like that. And he had something else, but he didn't have deaf ears open, didn't have blind eyes seeing that I remember. But he did have those other manifestations in his mantle. 
You can't minister something unless you have anointing. That's why you need to ask God. If you're feeling like you're going to be used in some area, then you need to study that and let the word minister to you. I say it this way. This way, when I read my Bible years ago and still to this day, deep will minister to deep. What do I mean? Whatever's in me that God put there, if I read passages that relate to that in my calling, it'll, a light will go on, a buzz will go off. I'm just saying it'll witness to me down here. My head may give me fits. But down here, I'll say, mm, I need to think about it. And I start asking God if I have some, something registering here. Are you calling me to move in that more fully, Father? And have I messed up? Or how am I doing? How do I do that? And I'm going to give you some ideas here in just a second. But this is important. You know, if I'm going to speak, I'm going to make my speech be in line with the Word of God. And if I'm going to minister to, laying on the hands, words, knowledge, whatever, it could be different things for different people then, then uh, I need to minister with his ability. And what would that be? The Holy Ghost. He'd have to help me. I don't go around slugging ladies. My, my wife, my, wife, my mother, when I was young, she said, never hit a lady. And I told my mom, well, I hit two of them, but they both got healed. Mom, I hope you're not mad at me. She's in heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, let's, let's go a little further here. The gifts of the Spirit. And let's go to Psalm 78, 41. Write that down and go there with me if you would. Psalm 78, 41. Wonderful scripture in so many ways. Psalm 78, verse 41. And uh, I'll give you a second to find that. We're going to talk about different ways that God may flow through you or use you. And, you know, if it's God, you just have to be patient. You know, one time I had a son here, and I said to him, he had a dramatic healing I think it was for his back. I'm not trying to remember. And so I knew it was quite a testimony. So I said, okay, listen, I'm going to give you 20 minutes at the pulpit to give your testimony. That's more than I give most people for anything like that. And he went an hour and a half. He ministered several things to the people. I laid hands on him. He looked at me and said, okay, Dad, I'm done. What do you got? I said, you did it all. I don't got nothing to do. I'm going to pray and dismiss you. Father, we thank you. Good night. See you in the morning. And I left. Went back to eat. He said, why did you do that? I said, well, you already took the service over. There's no reason for me to get up. You did it all. I wasn't mad at him, but I thought it was inappropriate because I asked him I was in charge. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give, I didn't say it this way, but that's what I meant. I'm giving you my permission. I'm giving you 20 minutes. So you ought to be able to hit the highlights of what happened to you and just tell it. But he took the service over and preached the whole service. <laughs> Some of the sons were here and saw that. And later he left me. Didn't surprise me a bit. He went to another church of one of my sons is here today, I think, and told him that I sent him down there to correct him. I didn't send anybody. To, if I'm going to correct you, I'm going to talk to you myself. That's right. So, you know, not to be mean, but that's, if that, I need to correct somebody, I'm not afraid of them either. I'm going to have to talk direct to them, but I'm not mean to people. You know, it's not the things I'm doing right that's messing me up. If you're smart, you'd agree with me. Yes, sir. There's things you're not doing right that's messing up the turmoil. Yeah. All right. Anyway, here we're still talking about the gifts. Verse 40, let me see, verse 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. You know, we've got to learn to be able to not limit him. That's what I'm saying to you. You might not get up every service and have a whole lot of things coming out of you like the 
the gifts of the Spirit, but you will have an inkling of that. I don't care what ministry gift you have. There's a residence in you, some power, and you, you might just yield to that. Learn to be proficient in whatever it is he gives you. I found that if I do it right, he'll probably add more to me. Not that I've expected that, but I realized from studying the scriptures. Right. You know, you start where you start, which is at the beginning. Right. Then you had things added to you and piled on, we'd say, maybe. So my first comment is with the gift of the Spirit, don't limit that. Now, it may take you extra faith where you're at now. That's why you should study the gifts of the Spirit how did it affect people and how did it move and what did they do to help to yield to that? You know, it's not my power. I would say it this way, it's on loan from Jesus, the head of the church, for me to do what I'm told to do. And I've already told you about one of my goof-ups when he said, minister a guy in the gray suit in the third row to your right. I looked over there, there he was, and I just kept on preaching because I thought what I had to say was so important. Let's just get where it really hits the road. Then I got in the hotel and I was so distraught. And he said, yeah, you should be. When I talk to you like that, Michael, next time, stop. Yeah. Zip your Bible up if you have to and just do what I told you. And I found this out. After, that happened a long time ago, but I found out when I started doing that, if I obeyed the first prompting, there was four or five more that came with that. Not right that second, but shortly thereafter. And I just started ministering to all kinds of people for different things I had never thought about because I obeyed God in that first door. Amen. And, of course, praying in tongues is critical, too, that you do that effectively. All right. So we're not going to limit God. Let me tell you some things that we found out in studying this out. Number one, the gifts are for your prayer life. We see that in, I'm not going to turn to these passages. I'll give them to you, though. Acts 16 and 16 through 18. You know, that's when the lady kept crying, these men are servants of the Most High. Well, if I went to some country and somebody stood up and said, Dr. Jacobs is, a, is uh, you know, a man of God and he's going to help you today, I wouldn't think, well, she's a witch. <laughs> but if God showed me that, I'd have to say, shut up and come out yeah. or something. Yeah. You know. And then Acts 10, 1 through 6, that's with Cornelius. Uh, the angel got involved there. And helped him with where he was going to send people to get uh, Simon Peter, I believe it was. So, so we should expect every day, listen to me, in your life, you could operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You know, sometimes I'm praying and I just start operating by the Spirit of God. Sometimes I see somebody and I minister to them uh, spiritually because he put, brought, him bef brought them before me, either male or female. He may show me more. He may show me what's going on, what's the problem. Or he may say, say this or whatever. And you just have to be available for that. You listen? Yeah. And then work when you go to work. I guarantee you, old Bob's a good old boy. He eats three Oreo cookies. His coffee's always light coming out of his thermos. And he has a bologna cheese sandwich. What a boring way to live. <laughs> you got somebody you know like that probably. It may be you. I don't know. <laughs> Life and work and home. You ought to realize things can happen at home too. So I'm just including that for your thought life because if we're not careful, we regulate everything down to a service on Sunday morning. If it don't happen then, it's not official. Well, that's not right. You limited him. All right. And then in the assembly, in the corporate meetings that we have, mainly by leadership or at least under their supervision, you need to realize that the pastor's in charge in the local church. I mean, if I'm preaching somewhere 
I try to tell people now, I'm up here and I'm in a different ministry gift than your pastor. Your pastor is a great pastor. I think the pastors are most important of all five of us because they're with you constantly and they're feeding you and they're correcting you and loving you and encouraging you and stretching you. But, you know, if he said, I don't want you to minister to people a certain thing, then I would just say, okay. Maybe I won't come back next time, but I'm, I'm not going to argue with you and get in strife with you in front of your congregation. Not my intent to do that. So sometimes you need to make sure that leadership has given you permission. I think most people have thought enough to do that when they ask me to come, knowing that I perhaps will lay hands on people. That's my normal mode to do it. And since I got corrected by Jesus, you didn't. Unless you did three times in two years, what I did. He was hot mad the last time he talked to me about this. And he also said, I don't want to have to talk to you about this anymore the rest of your life. You get that, Michael? Yes, sir, I'm sorry. When I started to cry, I felt like I'd really grieved him, hurt his feelings. You know, he, you know, I know it's going to shock you. He's still a man. You know, he has feelings and stuff, but he was, took it off with me because he dealt with me three times about laying on the hands. And, well, I, I favor that when I minister to people. I favor that. And I could speak to people, too. I've done some of that. But anyway, I'm just talking to you, listening. We need to be under somebody that's in authority in the church, and the local church would be the pastor, the main person. Let's go to Matthew 8. A minute. Are we getting anything? Yes. We're talking about the gifts here, but Matthew 8, I think it is. Let me find that reference. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see. Where is that at? Matthew 8 and in verse, well, we'll just look at verse 8 and 9 and maybe 10. Matthew 8, 8 through 10. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority. This is critical right now. I'm a man under authority. He says I'm a man, but he said I'm under authority. And he's in the military, if I believe that's right, the centurion. So... Verse 9, I'm, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and to goeth, he goes to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. We need to realize we need a covering. And when you try to rip, get that away from you, you know you're tearing up your own authority. In other words, the better I submit to Jesus Christ, even if you don't agree with me, even if you don't see it this way that I'm telling you, I'm just telling you what I know. If I try to get out of that level of humility towards the Lord, and uh, then I'm in trouble. I'm trying to get away from that. I'm not under. I'm only under authority because He told me to do it. If I've heard Him clearly, I just told you about my experience three times. Had to deal with me about laying on the hands. You talk about feeling not so good. That was it right then. And then He said, when Jesus heard it heard what he said about authority. He said, I'm a man, but I'm under authority. I'm a man and I'm under authority. I'm under Jesus' authority, but I have these sons too that I love and trust and they're spiritual men too. And you know, if they had something they need to say to me, I'd be willing to hear it. But I'm not under them, I'm over them. Normally God used somebody of equal rank or higher. You know, Moses had all these great elders, at least at some point in time in there, but... Jethro, I think that was his wife's daddy. 
he was a priest of Midian. He was still in the ministry, but in a different group of people. I don't know all that that means. You could read what you want into it. But he told Moses, you're going to kill yourself if you don't designate some things here. And people had all kinds of uh, issues with other people in the camp. Yeah. Got a church full of strife, you're in trouble. Yeah. It's hard to move them anywhere because they all argue with each other. And everybody wants to be right. Verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. So when I am submitted to the authority of the word, submitted to Jesus Christ or whatever, and if you're a sheep, you need to be in a church where there's a pastor that you respect and that you listen to. And he said, and I have not found such great faith, no, not in Israel. That's a big compliment from Jesus, I would say. Because the man said, I'm a man, but I'm under authority. I don't know whatever he was. Centurion, he was over 100 soldiers, but I'm sure there were people over them. Anyway, just talking here. How are you going to cultivate it? You're going to have to be in authority. That's part of it. You know, let me take you to Mark 6 a minute. I think I can do that. Mark 6, show you a scripture here. Um, well, let me look at this a minute. Verse 12 and 13 and then verse uh, 30. Uh, Mark 6, verse 12 and 13. And Jesus is sending out his group, his disciples, and they went out and preached everywhere that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. And then we get to verse 30 after they came back, after they'd been on that campaign. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, watch this, both what they had done and what they had taught. Now, I had a lady in my church one time. She was a really good teacher. And she was, I don't know if she's full, I don't know if she's supposed to be in fivefold, but she was just so arrogant. So, and God started to promote her, and she had a Bible study within my church. She asked me if she could do it, and she did a great job for a while teaching the Bible to the ladies. And so she got invited out of town to someplace in another city. And she came back, and it was on a Sunday morning, never forget, after the service. I went over to her. She was sitting by her husband. I said, hey, uh, how'd your meeting go in such and such a place? None of your business. So I said, looked at her, her husband. I said, you and her come to my office right now. I want to talk to you. I put her, set her down. I said, hey, you don't talk to me that way. You're not going to have Bible study in my church when you just show that kind of dishonor to me. I'm the man that gave it to you. And even if Jesus uh, had told me, I probably would have did it. But I'm just saying, I just promoted you myself. And you act all uppity. And I gave her this scripture. And she said, well, I don't, I'm not, I don't have to tell you what I did. I said, well, <laughs> so you're stripping yourself of my authority in your life? You might as well just leave the church now because I'm not going to put up with that rebellion. I can tell you, because you'll infect the rest of my ladies. And then the ladies' husbands will be irritated at you. You know, if you don't, you can teach authority, but you don't teach everybody to rebel against everything. Preaching good, Michael. I know it. I'm, okay, Pastor, here you go. Here it is, right here. <laughs> now, when she was right, she was a wonderful teacher. Really good. And the thing that bothered me is I had an associate that was a man back then. And so, really, I said to her in front of her husband, I said, I promoted you over my own staff member. Yeah. And you were making money. You were out preaching, had my endorsement on you. 
And other people started to have them. You didn't have meetings. They took up offerings and you received them. Did you not? Yeah. Well, then you didn't have that if I hadn't given you endorsement. And then to talk down to me like I've got to be subservient to you. I just came as a friend to say, what did you preach up there? And what kind of things did you do? None of your business. And I looked at him and said, you need to take your wife home and do something about her. You're, and I said to her, you're not going to play that women thing with me. You don't know. I've ordained more ladies than anybody I'm aware of right now. Yeah, who, who's been with me a long time? Yeah, a, a lot of wonderful people. Yeah, and there's Candace. She's got a strong anointing on her. And there's some others here. I don't think I ordained her, but, you know, you, you've received from me real well. And your sister and your brother. He just told me he liked me in the break time. <laughs> I said, I like you too. We'll get along great. Hallelujah. Okay, I got to quit here in a minute, really quick here. Number one, how do you cultivate them? You do it by exposing yourself to right teaching. And by the way, they left my church, you know, after I talked directly to her like that. But somebody needed to get a hold of that lady. I wasn't against her in any form or fashion. And when I, and let me say this, read this to you. You must be in a church where church is preached and practice it, where truth is preached and practiced. You know, somebody came to me one time, a member of this church, been with me 15 years, a nice man. He came to me one time and said, you know, I'm anointed to pray for backs. I said, you are. That's the first time I'd heard that. You prayed for any? Yeah, how many? About 50. Anybody get anything? Nope. I said, you're not anointed. (laughs) What don't you understand about that, young man? You're not anointed to do that. You might be anointed to do something else. You'd have somebody's got a twinge in a vertebrae or something. You know, the slang way is either shut up or put up, put out, you know. We had nothing to engage that on, and, you know, and nobody got nothing. That didn't speak highly. We have to rightly divide the word and more than just what's on paper. See, I got called on the carpet for in a Baptist church. I was preaching you could be healed and you can speak in tongues, and I got called by all the elders in that district, three of them. They all had doctorates. I just graduated from a two-year Bible school. They brought me in the office and they told me I was a stupid young Christian, stupid young preacher. Need to go back to seminary and get an earned degree. And uh, so I said, well, uh, look, this is our book right here on uh, Baptist faith and doctrine. Is this the book that we believe in? Things written out. Oh, yeah, let me read you something, page 47, paragraph 2. We believe in the Holy Ghost and his gifts. Do I need to say more? Well, that's not what we meant. Well, then you shouldn't have wrote it. Hey, listen, I can fire back on people too. I know you know that probably. You act like I'm, I'm not a mean person. But you're going to talk big like that to me and make fun of me and ridicule me. And I told that one guy, I said, well, I guess we're done here. But I said, Pastor, you're in trouble for talking such degradingly to me. I didn't do anything. I, I obeyed you. You guys called me, asked me if I'd come see you. I came. I listen to your squawk. I listen to your criticism. But I'm not going to give up the Holy Ghost. I'm not trying to hurt people. I'm trying to help people. The same Holy Ghost that I got saved under when I was a full-blown drug addict is the same Holy Ghost that filled me with him and gave me a prayer language and told me to start ministering to the sick. I don't know what you want out of me. You want me to act like it never happened. I guess that I'm not going to do that to Jesus. 
Anyway, and I walked down this long hall. It was a long hall for me that day. And I thought, well, you know, and the devil talked to me first. He beat Jesus to death. He said, if you'll just shut up about tongues and healing, I'll put you in a nice church, put you, give you a nice parsonage, give you a good salary. I'll take care of you. I said, you haven't took care of me yet. Amen. And I said, then I said, what about you, Jesus? When I got to the car, I said, oh, what about you? What are you going to do? He said, you'll have my power, Michael. That's all I'm going to guarantee you right now on the spot. You'll have my power if you stay with me and you know what you've experienced. And you're around a lot of people who's never heard this before and you're going to get kicked back because of that. But you just keep on doing what you're doing and be sweet about it. Okay. So I told that pastor, you're going to have to repent for the way you've downgraded me because I didn't do anything to you. I'm not here you know, trying to start an argument. You asked me to come see you. The three of you did. And you've got nothing good to say about me at all. I'm just a, I was a burnout drug addict when I got saved. I'm not bragging on that. I'm ashamed of the way I live. What I did with people, selling drugs to people and just doing all kinds of bad things. But Jesus saved me anyway. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so I said, when the Lord said, I'll just guarantee my power, I said, that's good enough for me. Shut the door in my car and went and ate a hamburger. <laughs> Probably five guys, but they weren't around back then. Hang on, I just, I'm just running over the line, sweet Jesus. We've got to learn to wait. Romans 12, 7, learn to wait on our ministries. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 says, If we'll wait upon the Lord, there'll be a divine exchange. When I'm waiting on God, worshiping Him, waiting on Him to show me something I need to know about that night or this meeting or whatever, and He'll show me. So, and then <clears throat> I don't neglect the gift that's in me. I had to learn to do that, and I have to practice it. First uh, Corinthians seven thirty five said, "You get led away because you got so much stuff you do." And then pray in the spirit more than you think you can. I'm just give these two last things here. Uh, praying in tongues is a doorway into the supernatural. So the more you pray in tongues, or set aside extra time to pray in tongues, maybe. Um, and somebody asked me. I think it was Tiffany. Where are you at, Tiffany? Parnell, not Parnell, I'm sorry. Thompson. Her husband asked me when we were still having mentoring classes, I think then, or we were in the back eating a meal. You might have been there, Tiff, I don't know. Brandon, her husband, said, what's the difference in you now and when you were a pastor and a teacher? I said, that's easy. I don't prepare my notes like I used to. I prepare me like I need to as a prophet. That's a different deal. I do look at my notes. I mean, you could tell that probably when I'm preaching. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I just try to prepare myself for whatever area that God may want to use me. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You get anything out of this? I did. <laughs> hey, listen, tonight come back. I'm going to take tonight too. Are you going to do all the preaching? I don't know. Am I? <laughs> no. I'm going to have some others tomorrow in the morning. But tonight I'll be back at 7. We have a great service. I don't know what I'm preaching yet. I used to have it all figured out, but I realized sometimes you, you, you just have to yield to the Holy Ghost. Father, thank you for your word today. May all of us begin to understand clearly what our callings entail, whatever giftings you put in us. Help us develop those better. Help us to spend, uh, we make a decision to spend extra time with you so that we'll learn even better how to yield to you. And we ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Help us. I release the angels with the people today to take them safely to their destination. God bless. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.